Many times when we look back at our life and we look back at certain times and we look back at, at events that happen and we long for those events and we long for those times and we think, man, there was such a better time when this was happening or there was a better time when that was happening. You know, for some of us, it's when we were in high school or after college and we think that, that was the best time. I, if I could go back to that time and we spend time almost living in the past. For others of us, it's maybe when we had a certain job and we're no longer there and we think about, we think about that. For others of us, it's about a certain relationship that we were in. If we were just in that relationship, I would be happy. And we think about these things. For, for others of us, it might be that we look back just to maybe a week or two ago when we could actually go into our favorite restaurant and sit down and, and have a meal that we, we so enjoy. But one thing's for certain about this life, and what is certain about this life is that there is change. The other certainty is that with God, there is no change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we deal with change, as we deal with the world changing around us, we think about these challenges and we think about all the things that the world associates with. And the Word of God tells us over and over again that we are not to focus on the things of the world, but we are to focus on heavenly things. That we are to put the path in front of us that leads us to God. And the Bible tells us this over and over again. And most of the reason it tells us this is to stay focused on God is so that we don't look back at a time. We don't look back at a time that there was sin. We don't look back at a time that was worldly, that wasn't focused on a path that leads us to God. And the verse that we're going to look at today, one of the verses we're going to look at today, is Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. And it says this, it says, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out straight a path for your feet. Stay on the path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. We are not to dabble in sin. We are actually called to get as far away from it as possible. We are not to put ourselves or our family in a place that entices us to sin. We are called to walk that narrow path. Today, I want to talk to you about the events that happened with an Old Testament individual. This Old Testament individual struggled with worldly possessions and was pulled and enticed to the things of the world. And the long-term effects that it had on him, his family, and his future. The events that we're going to discuss today are actually from Genesis 18 and 19. Now, I must tell you, these events that took place in Genesis 18 and 19 happened 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. And the gentleman that we're going to talk about today, the individual that we're going to talk about today, is a gentleman named Lot. We're going to talk about Lot and his family. But before I get to talking about Lot and his life and what was involved and how he was enticed to sin, I need to back up just a little bit. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about history of Abraham. And that really leads into the story of Lot. Now, Lot was Abraham's nephew, but before, before we get there, 
Abraham, to tell you a little bit about Abraham, Abraham was a man who God called his friend. And at 75 years old, God gave Abraham a mission. God sent Abraham to the land that God provided for him. And this is actually the land, the future land that was promised to the Jews after the exodus from Egypt. The land that Abraham was leading them to was called Canaan. And this land was inhabited by the Canaanites. Now, Abraham, during this time, his original name is Abram. I'm going to refer to him as Abraham because God actually changed his name and gave him the name Abraham. So as we continue on, we're going to be calling him Abraham. Now, it seems as part of the reason that God gave this land to Abraham and promised it to the descendants of Abraham was because of the sinful acts of the Canaanites. Now, as I mentioned, Lot was Abraham's nephew. Lot's father died, and through a series of events, Lot actually ends up on a journey with Abraham heading to Canaan. Now, Abraham became very wealthy in his life. He was wealthy with livestock and silver and gold. And Lot became wealthy as well as he traveled with his uncle. The Bible says that they came to Bethel and Abraham's herdsmen disputed with Lot because there wasn't enough land to support the amount of livestock that each man had. So Abraham said to Lot, he said, of all this land, you choose. You choose what you want. You choose where you'd like to go. In fact, the Bible says that he says, if you choose to go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you choose to go to the right, I'll go to the left. And Lot looked around and Lot chose land near the Jordan River. It was a fertile plain and it was actually right near the city, the sinful city of Sodom. Now, the first of Lot's troubles happened when war broke out in the region. Lot was captured and everything that he owned was carried off. And actually, Abraham had to come to his rescue. Abraham mobilized 318 well-trained men and they were able to attack this group at night and recovered Lot and his possessions. As I mentioned, this was the beginning of Lot's troubles. Later, we see that there are three individuals that encounter Abraham. The Bible's very clear that one of them was the Lord. And many biblical scholars believe this was the pre-incarnate Jesus. So 2,000 years before Jesus, this is, this is before Jesus is actually born. And the other two individuals that are with him are two angels. And what the Lord tells Abraham at this time is that he is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's going to destroy them because... Their sin is so grievous. The things that are happening in these two towns are beyond grievous, and the Lord is going to destroy these two, these two towns. In Genesis 18.20, we see where Abraham actually inquires to the Lord, and he goes to the Lord, and, and Abraham, you can tell he cares about people, he cares about individuals, and he's very familiar. He knows uh, where Sodom is. And obviously he knows his nephew is there as well. And he, he is talking to the Lord and it says the other two individuals that are angels continue to walk on. And the Lord says that he's going to tell Abraham what he's about to do. And he tells Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham actually pleads with the Lord and he says, 
if you go down there and, and there's 50 people, if there are 50 people in that city, Lord, are you going to destroy the people? The, the right, if there's 50 righteous people in the city, are you going to destroy that city? And the Lord says, if I find 50 righteous people in that city, I will not destroy the city. And Abraham persists. And he says, 45. What if there's 45? Would the Lord still destroy the city? And then he goes to 40 and 30 and 20. And then he even ends up at 10. And the Lord tells him each time, if I find this amount of people no, that are righteous, I will not destroy this town. And as I mentioned, he gets to 10. And he says, if there are 10 righteous people in that town, I will not destroy that town. As these angels go down to Sodom, they actually meet with Lot. And they tell Lot that the Lord is going to destroy the cities and that he needs to leave. There's some communication back and forth between Lot and the angels about where is this going to go? And it actually seems like it goes overnight to where finally the angels go, the Lord's going to destroy the cities. You have to leave. And it says in the Bible that the angels actually have to grab Lot, his wife, and the, and the two daughters by the arms and, and drag them out. And actually the two daughters had fiancés. And it says that Lot went to the fiancés and he told them, the Lord's going to destroy this town. And they thought he was, they thought he was joking. In the end, the angels grab them and they lead them out and they tell them to run and don't look back. They're very, very firm in what they say. Don't look back. And they left in such a hurry that Lot had to leave all of his earthly possessions that were there so that they could get out of the town. And as Lot and his family were running and they reached the village that they were going to, it says then that the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur and completely destroyed the two cities. Then we see in Scripture, it says this in Genesis 19.26, it says, But Lot's wife looked back as she was falling behind him, meaning Lot, and it says she was turned into a pillar of salt. Now, much of Lot's life is a picture of consequence, of greed, and the negative influence of sin that was going on in Sodom. But we know we know one thing that Lot knew God. In fact, in 2 Peter 2, 7 through 9, it says this about Lot. Peter says, But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick from the shameful immoralities and the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness that he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue God's people from the trials, even while keeping them, the wicked, under punishment until the final day of judgment. You see, Lot chose to live among people who would lead his family to sin and ultimately lead his family to complacency. Lot's story is also a great illustration of God's great mercy in spite of Lot's poor choices. God saved him and his daughters from the violent end of Sodom. But the question remains, and that question is this, is what happened to, to Lot's wife? Why did she look back? She turned and watched 
the fire and burning sulfur, and it consumed everything that she valued. The Hebrew word here is really, really important. It doesn't mean a glance over the shoulders. They, they weren't running, and she glanced over her shoulder to see what happened. This Hebrew word here means to regard or to deeply consider or pay attention to. Scripture doesn't say if her death was a punishment for valuing, valuing her old way of life. She either identified too much with the city, her possessions, and the sin that was involved in the city, and ultimately joined in its fate, or she neglected to fully obey God's command. Either way, she met her end. And it could be a mixture of the two. So the question is, what can we take away from the story of Lot? Well, one thing is this. Christians have a similar warning. Ephesians 4, 22-24 says this. It says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So as we take a minute and we reflect back and we look back at the verse that we started with, the Proverbs that we started with was Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. I think it's really important at this part that we read that again and it focuses us back to what's important. And what's important is it says, it says this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You know, as Christians, there is a path that is laid out before us. These verses tell us, and they're very clear, that we are to mark out a straight path for our feet, that we are to look straight ahead. We are not to look left or right, but to look straight ahead to the things of God. Lot was a man who lost his fellowship. He lost his fellowship with Abraham when he left Abraham. And remember, Abraham was a friend of God. Lot was also a man who lost his fortune because he was in a sinful environment and it enticed his whole family to greed and the influences of sin that were around him. And Lot was ultimately a man who lost his future because he lost his wife. And if you continue along in the story, Lot actually ends up living in a cave. These scriptures are so important and this story is, is so important. Jesus even reiterates this. He says, on the day the Son of Man is revealed, he says in Luke 17, 32, he says, remember Lot's wife. You see, we are not to be consumed with the possessions of this world. We are not to be consumed with the past sins that we have and long for those. We are to look straight ahead. We are to focus our gaze on the Lord and remember to keep our path straight to follow Him. Now, for some of us, we may say, what if I've gotten off the path? Will God forgive me? You know, the great thing here is that God is a merciful God. If you are off the path and you are chasing the things of the world, all you have to do, and I would plead with you, is to repent and get back on the path. To focus on the things of the Lord and move forward. 
Our purpose and our mission as Christians is to stay focused on the Lord. To make sure that we are on that path. And to make sure that we are focused on the things of the Lord. I'll remind you this. Our life is but a mist. James says that. Our life is but a mist. The things that we acquire in this time, the things that we look forward to, the things that that we ultimately yearn for or yearn past to are not the things of the Lord. There are good things in the world and all good things, good and great things that are given to us come down from the Lord. But many times those are so shadowed and so enticed by sin that is around us. Our call and our focus is to move forward through the gifts of the Holy Spirit and those gifts and those fruits of the Holy Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If those things are not around us, if those things are not in us, then we need to refocus our life and we need to move forward to what God has for us. For others of us, as we sit here, we don't even realize what the path is. And maybe you're listening to this today and you think, what is this path? What does this mean to follow God? What what does that mean? And you might be the same person that's sitting there and you think, you feel that there's this void in you, that there's this area that you keep trying to fill with worldly things, that you try this and you try that. Oh, if I only had this, I would be happy. The problem with that is is that void can never be filled unless it is filled with God. You see, we were created not to be separated from God. And that leads many of us in the world to chase after things that we think is going to fill that void. But I'm here to tell you today that no matter what, if you don't have God, you will not fill that void. That void is a God hole that has to be filled only with God. And maybe you're one of those people, as I sat here today and I talked, and you think about your life and you think about the sins, and as I was talking, you were were pulled and said, oh, you had that pull and that feeling inside of you that you're like, oh, I can feel that. Man, that that is not something that is good. I'm here to tell you today that the Bible, the Word, is very clear. Jesus' words are very clear. That for us to fill that hole in us does a couple of things. One is, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, when we repent and believe, we are saved. That's what the Bible says. And you may say, saved from what? We are, you are saved from eternal separation from the Lord. When you accept the Lord and you fill that void and you fill that hole, you become one with God. You become one in unity with God and He seals you. He seals you for that day. That day when you leave this earth. That your eternal destiny is in heaven. And not only that, but you have peace here on earth. You fill that void. You are changed. You become a new creation. So today... If you feel that yearning, that pull at your heart towards God, if you feel convicted of your sins, I'm here to tell you today that you can repent 
and you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that is what the word tells us over and over again. In fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said this, that you can enter the kingdom of God only through the narrow gate. I think that's really important. Today's message, we talked about staying on a straight path. It says you can only enter God's kingdom through the narrow gate, the highway to hell. And it's interesting, those words, highway. We think about a highway and we think about a narrow gate. A narrow gate, if I'm driving, I can only fit my car through the narrow gate. But a highway is large and it is big because it moves so many people. The highway to hell is broad and it is gate, its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few find it. If you are here today, I'm here to tell you. You have found that gate. You have found that narrow, narrow path that leads to life, that leads to eternal life. John 14, 6 says this, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. Many of us try and we try and we think, well, if I just do this, if I just do better, maybe there's a creator, maybe there's a God, but if I'm a good person, Jesus makes it clear. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. You're already guilty of so many things. Jesus is the only way to heaven. So you may say, how, how, do I, how do I do this? What do I do so that my eternal fate and that my eternal destiny is secured and sealed? As I mentioned before, we must repent and believe and know that Jesus is our only salvation, that through no other way can we create our own salvation, only by repenting and believing in Him. Romans 10, 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you are saved. There are no special words or prayers that you have to do. These are the things that inside of you, you have to repent and you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I would love to take you through a prayer so that you can assure your eternal destiny. And I can't sit here and tell you you are saved. Only you know that. Only you know if you're convicted by your sins. And only you know if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you truly repent of your sins and you truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved. So if you're out there today and you say, yes, I want to be saved. Yes, I want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I want that void filled inside of me today so that I can know God. Please, yes, I want to know that. Repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I am desperately in need of a Savior. Please forgive me for my sins. I understand and believe you are the Son of God. You came to this earth and lived a sinless life. You were crucified, died, and rose from the dead as payment for my sins. Please come into my heart and make me new. 
I will trust and I will live for you. Thank you for saving me and allowing me to spend eternity in heaven with you. If you prayed that prayer today, you have begun a new life. And please leave in the comments below if you have made that decision. We would love to pray for you. Please message us if you don't want to leave in the comments. That way we can pray for you. That way we can help you and we can, we can, we can help you on your path to your new life. That we can share some scriptures with you that would help you in all of those ways and help you with that. As we pray, I want to pray and, and wrap this message up and, and complete this time. And I thank you. I thank you for, for your commitment to the Lord and to follow Him. I would encourage you, get a Bible. Start to read it. That way you can know the things of God and you can know what you have committed to. I would also ask that you get plugged into a local Bible-believing church. That way they can help you in your new journey. Please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the things that we can, we can learn from, the things that can change us. Lord, we want to follow you. Please help us to stay on the path. Lord, I pray for those individuals today that may have given their life for the first time to you to, to make a commitment to follow you. Lord, I pray that... You would protect them, that you would guide them, that you would make them bold in you. I pray, Lord, that they would have a yearning just to, to read your word, to understand you closer. Lord, I pray and I thank you. I, I thank you for all the, the prayers that go out. I thank you for this time. And Lord, I pray that you would just guide us and direct us in all of our ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's message. And please be bold enough to share this message so that it can reach more people for Christ.